we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And I hope you enjoy this new show, whether you're viewing it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the episode. I do want to thank you for being part of my audience. You can also find links to videos or podcasts on MiamiGhostChronicles.com, as well as where you can submit your story about any eerie experiences you've had which I would love to hear about. Just go to the Submit Your Story tab. Please subscribe to our channel so that you receive notification of when we release a new show. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where I usually live stream and where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at locations where new episodes are being filmed at. I also tell you about all the interesting guests that will be appearing soon on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, it's Marley with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How is everybody doing today? Me, I'm doing fantastic. It's a good day here. For once, here in South Florida, we're going into the rainy season, which means it's hot, hot, and very humid because it's just all it does is rain and you know yeah like I tell everybody here down in South Florida we've got two types of season or two types of weather hot or hotter so yeah if you see me it's like even wearing this is like oh my god it's, it's hot hot and humid but anyway guys today I have a fantastic and super interesting guest this lady's name is Tisha Morris and as you saw by that intro prior to that this is all about one of one of I think is super interesting and um, how can I say it that people are becoming more aware of as time passes, which is feng shui, and we're going to talk about what that is and as you can tell, what you can do if if you need help with that. But anyway, about Tisha, prior to working with Spaces, she was a practicing attorney for over ten years. However, she discovered she loved yoga, and she also had some premonitions, as in dreams, and course that led into tapping into her creativity and working with subtle realms of energy which some people just don't realize just because it's subtle but they're very powerful nonetheless uh, she's received a fine arts degree in interior design in addition to certifications in yoga reconnective healing and feng shui uh, also she's an expert in feng shui interior design and also an energy healer and we're going to talk to her about that especially that and um 
So she, what she does is she combines traditional feng shui techniques, design aesthetics, and intuition to turn challenging spaces into supportive environments to help improve the lives of those who live and encounter their space. She's also the author of several books, one which recently released uh, titled Clutter Intervention, How Your Stuff is Keeping You Stuck. And boy, I know a lot of people out there going, uh, okay, yeah, yes, own it, own it, own it. <laughs> but anyway, how are you doing today, Tisha? I am doing so good. Thank you for having me on the show. No, on the contrary, it is my pleasure, Tisha. Um, and, you know, as it, in, in, in the introduction, you know, it, you were an attorney and was it, was it a process for you to realize I don't want to be practicing law. I want to go into something as creative as interior design. What happened that led you to go from one thing to the other? Yeah, so it was it was a very circuitous route. I, it was not a straight line in any way. Um, I, uh, I immediately knew I did not want to practice law. Um, but then figuring out what I wanted to do took about, it was about an eight-year journey. It was not something that happened overnight. Wow. Um, as you mentioned in the introduction, I, I, uh, I kind of fell in love with yoga and then got certified in yoga. And it was, I, I always call yoga the kind of the gateway drug <laughs> into the okay. healing arts. Okay, okay. Um, because it opens your mind to, to this other world, um, mm-hmm. at least it did for me, and realizing the mind-body um, connection and just how sure. everything is so interrelated. And, um, but during all this time, I was also, I was kind of tapping into my natural um, desire of, of, of spaces and homes. And um, I had some influence from my mom, who was an interior decorator. Okay. Um, and so I, uh, at the time when, you know, in, in college, your, your mind is, when you go to college, your mind is, is somewhat limited of what all you know, possibilities out there. And, right. and so, you know, in the 80s and 90s, it was, you know, these careers that fell into these very, you know, these boxes. And um, at the time, of course, being a feng shui consultant was never in my wheelhouse <laughs> <Okay>. possibilities. <laughs> And so, um, anyway, I did get into a design degree um, while I was practicing law, okay. and uh, and then I began to combine this with with the healing arts um, things I was learning with with um, energy work and and kind of put it all together and realized that uh, you know we can heal homes or like work on the energy and spaces just like we can um, the body and realizing that it's all the same energy is energy whether it's your home your body or even your mind and. Um, that actually became the name of my second book, Mind, Body, Home, because mm-hmm. of realizing just how interrelated the energy is between all of that. And, Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, so that, that I began my, my career um, down that road, and it, that was um, really 2006, 7, 8, when I kind of first began that, and, and I've written four books since. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun. Right, and... Y- I'm so glad because, you know, nowadays sometimes people, you know, when people, you know, the thing I want to find my purpose or that, like you said, that true calling. And sometimes people don't realize it doesn't have to be like, you know, a clap of thunder and like, I know that I want to do that. <laughs> it's, you know, it's what you described. It was, it's a process. And yeah, you, like, and like you said, your were, gateway drug was the yoga. And even then it took you it sounds like eight years and you put the, uh, you, you, you applied the practical part, which you would, went and did the interior design. 
So it was like a it was like a little journey to get from point A to point B for you. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it was. And you know, I think we're living in a time when we're where we are inventing the wheel of this kind of new world we're living in. Mm-hmm. And you know, the careers or the jobs or, or the skills that we have are are so different than they were before. So it is taking these like putting puzzle pieces together to create these new, um, these new arts or whatever you want to call them, new sciences. Um, and based on, in my case, based on, you know, principles that are thousands of years old, so it's nothing right. new about it, but giving them a modern application. And so it does take, uh, you know, putting different tools in your toolbox to, um, to come up with these new things that our new world needs. Right. Because, Something that, that you referred to, which is like energies, and people don't realize, like you said, there's the mind-body connection, but then there's an outer, which is the energy, how it affects where you live at. Um, and I, I imagine that what you do, or from what I understand Feng Shui does, is it looks like at how is that energy working with, the, I guess, the, the space you live in. And a lot of people, just it's because you just can't see it, you feel it, one way or the other, good yeah. or bad, but I guess they just don't understand that sometimes that has a lot to do with how they feel and everything in all areas, depending. I know Absolutely. sometimes some rooms are better than others. So I, I call, or there's just so many different uh, philosophies of feng shui, different schools of feng shui. Um, I like to um, analogize it with, with actually yoga and that the, the point is, removing blocks, removing blocks so that the energy can flow. So for example, in yoga, we're moving, there were blocks are like our tight hips or our stiff shoulder. You know, these are just clutter in the body, which are Mm -hmm. just stuck emotions. And this is actually what feng shui. And so when you remove these blocks in your hips and your shoulders or whatever, the energy can flow and you breathe better, you feel better, everything's better. And this is how our homes work as well. We are removing blocks. These blocks could be clutter. It could be furniture arrangement. It could be stuck energy. It could be like a myriad of things. And when we remove these blocks, the energy flows better in our home. We literally breathe better and we feel better and and, and, and it it, um, trickles out from there. And, and, um, you know, feng shui can be used as a healing modality and also as a manifesting modality. Uh, manifesting things that you want. Um, so our home is just a kind of a second layer of skin for us, and it contains our our stories, our memories, our emotions, our desires. It, everything is in our home, and so we can actually begin to use our home as a manifesting tool. And that's that's uh, part of it I really enjoy. <laughs> right, because ultimately, you know, the 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 ability to manifest it's like it's really difficult to manifest as you're not feeling well. And by this, I mean, yeah. as in sick, if you're just feeling off kilter or uneasy or uncomfortable, it's very difficult to manifest anything. And if you do manifest something, it's probably not what you're looking to get. So I understand totally what you're saying as far as that that's where it starts. But um, let's say when you go in there, um, you look at, is it each room in particular and then overall? Or does it, yes. is it stuff from the front door inwards? How does that work as far as the feng shui is concerned? Yes, 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 and yes. Uh, okay. Everything is related. Um, you know, but I always start with the, with the client, the, per, the homeowner, the per, or the person, and like what, what isn't working in your life? 
Oh, okay. Okay, and so I am a detective to find where, so, so let's say manifesting a relationship um, or manifesting a healthy relationship mm-hmm. or a committed healthy relationship. Uh, where in your home is, is, is the block to that? And so I go to the home and, and like a little detective and go looking for it. And our okay. subconscious mind, let's, let's say you have been, one has been blocked of like finding love. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if for anyone who's you know, been wanting a relationship, you know, there are these subconscious fears and all these things. Well, they're in your house. And, um, and so with relationships, for example, and I'm just throwing this out as one, one example, it's, I would, you always look in the, uh, the master bedroom. Okay. The master bedroom is an, is a visual, visual, uh, picture of the relationship or their lack of relationship okay and they're so uh and we subconsciously do these things uh not realizing that that are kind of sabotaging uh for example having a picture of a single woman in the bedroom is your subconscious mind perpetuating being single right so once you start or you know when once you start either through working with a function consultant or, or, or looking into this kind of stuff, you can realize, you know, your shadows or, or saboteurs mm-hmm. are actually visually sitting out in your house. Right. And you're reinforcing them every time you look at this picture. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, single. Yes. Mm. All right. You but know what? And I hate to say it. actually see them. Decorative. There's so many beautiful pictures of just a woman, you know. <laughs> I know. It's like, Wow. <laughs> I mean, I know that they're done uh, to attract women customers because, you know, but yeah, I see exactly what you mean. Whoa. Yeah. Now, if you're a female and you've recently gotten divorced and you really want to empower, you know, the passive individuation, Mm -hmm. then yeah, a picture of a single woman actually would be appropriate, you know, so, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so it all depends exactly what you're what you're trying to manifest. Let me ask you, how about, and I think this might also go into part of a little bit of the clutter. How about keeping stuff from prior relationships, even if it's in a drawer put away? Does that affect? The... Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and out of sight is not out of mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our subconscious knows where everything is. <laughs> yes. You can't hide from the subconscious mind. Absolutely. Uh, so it could it could be tucked away as far as as you could possibly want it in fact we actually subconsciously do this we uh the things that you store in the darkest literally the darkest areas of your home like closets drawers are is, is a telltale red flag of those are the stuff the things you don't want to deal with and those are the things that are uh very potential blocking things that you are wanting so, yeah, we have to really get clear with ourselves. Um, but, yeah, things from past relationships uh, can definitely block a new one from coming in. And, um, you know, it depends on the s- specific circumstances. But if anyone is, like, wanting a relationship uh, and have, hasn't been able to, you know, attract one, really take inventory of what items you still have from exes. Right, because a lot of people, they one of two things, like you said, Either it's put away, like you said, out of sight, but not out of mind. And then you ask yourself, well, why would it be so hard to either throw it away or give it away or donate it? Because it's like you're still trying to hang on to it. And then I know there's other people that they have it and they're thinking of, oh, it's practical. I could, you know, I'm still using it, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Which is, I guess, is what right. they call an excuse. <laughs> it's like, 
Yes, exactly. A cover excuse, yeah. Um, but those those things like memorabilia, like um, mementos, have no intrinsic value. So you know there's an emotional attachment to it in some way. Okay. Um, and usually, if you just take a few moments and like, you know, what is it about this item? And it's particular with with relationships or things mm-hmm. from past. Um, it's sometimes it's it's, an, it's always about an identity, and it may not even be about that person per se. It could be around uh, identity you had when you were with that person. Maybe there's a certain lifestyle you had that was that right. you liked that you want again. It could be um, uh, maybe with a group of friends during that time with that person that you are still uh, hanging on to emotionally. So uh, we have to really get clear with with what we're really holding on to. And a lot of times it's not even about that person per se. So, Right. And, and I know sometimes, you know, usually, you know, if the relationship had its good parts, and like you said, you have some good memories attached to maybe certain things you, you, you're thinking, Oh, that was such a good time. And, you know, just like when we take photographs of when we're on vacation, it's like, Oh, I mm-hmm. want to look at these pictures and relive the moment I was doing this tourist thing. But when you're looking at it from the perspective of establishing a new relationship, that's almost like a hook in you that kind of keeps you back. Let me ask, does the same thing work if you're looking, let's say somebody is back on the job market, but they still got a bunch of stuff from their old job for whatever reason, not necessarily that they hate it, but can it hold? And, And the reason why I say this is that I know a lot of people, you know, they're saying, okay, I'm ready to move on. Or I'm better, but at the same time, they have this fear of, you know, that job was my comfort zone. I knew what I was doing there. Yep. And so You're it works exactly kind of right. on the same um, kind of thing where it might hold you back from taking that final leap or. Exactly. So I have a, a chapter in my book dedicated to past careers. And, and here's, here's what one of the misconceptions, like good memories or good associations can actually keep us is stuck in the past just as much as bad memories. Yes. So if we believe the best is in the past, then it is. I mean, right. If that's really, you know, if you're holding that belief subconsciously, then yes, you're going to, you're going to um, inhibit yourself from creating good new, mem- new good memories. So right. this goes to like the work stuff. Let's say, I mean, even like awards, uh, trophies, awards from like a job, from the past can actually keep you stuck in that, that time period. Let's say you got the best salesman award for 1998. Right. Um, and it's really no, no longer applicable to where you are now. Uh, but like you said, it, you're, you're, that's, that's kind of when you felt your best and like you were really sure. in your game. Um, but here's the thing, like things from the past, they either provide a kind of a platform, a stepping stone, to where we are now, in which case memorabilia is good. Mm-hmm. But if it's tethering us to the past to where we're having a hard time moving forward, that's when it's not good. And that sure. can apply with jobs, relationships, family, memorabilia, um, and so forth. Uh, so, uh, and the, the payoff is once you ditch the salesman's 1998 award, or, or even if it's for me, I tell a story that my business suit from when I was an attorney, Mm-hmm. When you finally release that, it could be just like the last 1% you know of that old persona. You know what? And- I, I, I have to laugh because when you said that, 
um, in my prior work that I did, which I'm not going to mention, but I did used to have to go to court a lot. And uh -huh. I had, you know, court, you know, appropriate clothing for it and the heels and the whole, you know, the whole thing. And that what you said, I was laughing to myself because I kid you not, it must have taken me two years to start looking at doing away. And then, and by the way, just my lifestyle, everything changed where that clothing, I didn't need it. I didn't use it. It was hanging there. It was just hanging there. And I would go into the closet. And it was like, I, I wouldn't look at it because of the thought of, you know, I should donate this stuff or do something. But it was like, okay, you know, that still voice that you got, you're never going to use this clothing again in the foreseeable future. And if you ever did, you could go. But it was, it took me at least two years to start trying to finally go through it, you know, and say, okay, this. Yeah. And um, the same thing with the heels, you know, that whole, the whole package of with how you're dressed when you go. And so I understand that so, so well. Um, because well, it was, yeah. yeah. I bet if you were able to think back of when you did let that stuff go, I bet your current career or the career that you were moving, like, I bet it, uh, took a step up. Oh yeah. Um, yes. it, as it, soon as you release that stuff and that's where the payoff is, it brings all of your energy into the present moment instead of split partly in the past. Yes. You just, because it's almost like, um, uh, and, and the, and, and I'm sure people out there do, they, they don't think of it that way. They look at it like what I used to do at the beginning from the practical aspect. Oh my God, this clothing is so nice and I spent a lot of money. And what if I need it? You know, what if I have to go somewhere where, you know, and then I won't have it. You know, that's your first line of, of reasoning. Yeah. You never think of that you're holding on to this for, then, like I said, the first year goes by is like, okay, reality check here. You're not going to need this clothing. You're not... You, and it's like after a while like I said once you're going to the closet and you're looking at it you go okay you can't deceive yourself anymore so like I said at year two is when I said that's it that's it you know I kept a couple of pieces that were nicer you know just but the rest but by the way and for anybody that's listening I had to do it in increments what I did was yeah. I had a one of those trash bags in my closet and I would look at some of them. I even tried some on. And little by little, it must have taken me like four months. Like I told myself, once a month, I'm going to drop off a bag at uh, the thrift shop or Goodwill. One of the two. But it took me like four months to finally like go through everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I think that's a great, I, I, that's a tip that I tell people too. It's like you don't have to feel like you have to throw out the, the bath with the bath water or what the, what the sink with the kitchen, the, the kitchen sink with the, the kitchen. Um, it's or the, whatever the phrase is. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Exactly. It's like you don't have to like feel like you have to get rid of everything in one big purge. It can right. be done in layers, and I think that's actually you know people. That's why people get overwhelmed a lot of times of like they just see like this entire house of stuff, and they're like ah, but like just just doing doing it in increments, and uh, and that's because honestly, when you when you declutter, it's it's energy healing. It's 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 like releasing things out of your your body it's right. very serious energy work and so it actually should be done incrementally uh right. in fact some people actually can have physical like ailments as a result of purging too much too fast right now let me ask you how about what's what happens when you go have you ever gone to somebody's and they're they're not outright hoarders they're borderline hoarders where we're talking clutter like 
clutter, like this, not only what they just not good memory stuff or reliving where you go in there and you're like, okay, don't tell me what's wrong because I can tell something's got to be wrong. Just like, because there's no energy flow. Have yeah. you ever come across stuff like that or situations yeah. like that? Um, I, I luckily have, do not uh, apparently resonate or attract um, hoarding situations in my practice. Um, but for people who, where it is just a quantity issue, like just too much stuff, mm-hmm. usually what the, their underlying issue is, is it's, it's a, it's a subconscious way of distract, of distraction. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, have you ever been around people like who have the TV turned up so loud that it's, it's, it's a distraction method right? so that there can't be communication in the house and like, you can't even hear your own thoughts. Right. That's what clutter, like a, a large amount of quantity of clutter is. It's a big distraction so that we stay confused, we stay unclear, and we can't, we don't have to look at our stuff, look at our life. So basically what so, you're describing is something, they're self-soothing, but with, yeah. with their, with their, uh, with the clutter, the, 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 yeah, yeah. does it, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Which is, um, because, I, and one of the things that, I know that, you know, everybody's seen that show, The Hoarders, where it's like, God almighty, you know, that the, 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 it's like horrible because people like live in really uh, horrid conditions where things have gotten away from them. But I know there's people that it, there's, there's not, there's no question of, um, you know, of trash or anything like that. But at the same time, they kind of like either don't let go of stuff and then they buy other stuff and they're very neat about it. You know, it's like, they keep a lot of stuff and it's very neat and put away and organized. But at the same time, it's either stuff that like me that they're never going to use or just stuff that they want. And it's there. And it's, and uh, I, yeah, I think people don't realize that clutter is the same, works that same way, right? It doesn't have to be just junk. It could be. That's right. Uh, there's a misconception that if you're organized and you, you don't have clutter and that right. be further from the truth. You can have very organized clutter. It can be color-coded okay. and labeled. Um, right, and, right. Uh, but clutter, clutter is anything that, uh, that you no longer love or use that's keeping you uh, stuck in the past. It's taking up valuable space for new energy to come flowing in. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, preventing new opportunities to come into your life. Uh, and so, yeah, it could be, it could be a million-dollar painting. Mm-hmm. The cost of painting uh, it could be clutter. Uh, if it was, you know, if there's... For whatever reason, we could come up with a story around that. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're exactly right. There is, there's no price tag on clutter, Um, and there's also no price tag on on very valuable things that are not clutter uh, as well. It could be a scrap, you know, piece of paper from your spouse that says "I love you," you know, with no intrinsic value, and that's that's not clutter. But um, something very valuable, valuable in terms of dollars, can very well be clutter. So. And what happens, let's say, like you said, you were talking about items that have an emotional, you know, allure, whatever. But have you ever come across where somebody, like you said, has bought this really nice, super expensive item, but just the place where they put it is like, ah, no, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know not well, there, not in that corner. No. Yeah, you know, furniture is a bit, it can be clutter for sure. I see this a lot with clients. There's like, too much furniture uh, right. to where it clogs up the energy flow in, in a house. And um, yeah, some people have a hard time getting rid of the furniture, which it's just, it really is a big block. I mean, if you think of like the size quantity and the density of 
of furniture, it takes up a lot of space. And so if you have too much of that, then yeah, it's a definite, uh, definite block. And so, you know, and this is where clutter and feng shui start to really work together. Uh, And feng shui, there's what's called the Bagua map. And we can overlay it over our floor plan and see where all the areas of our life fall within our home. And so, you know, if I come across, you know, a room with way way too much furniture and it's clearly like major energy blocks, you know, there's going to be a correlation with where that room falls on the Bagua map with whatever's going on in their life. So if, if, it's, um, if it's in a wealth corner, then they're going to be blocked financially uh, and so forth. And so um, usually there's, a, there's stories around the furniture or, you know, there's, uh, you know, you got, you got a good deal at a, at a flea market and there was a lot of, you know, pride around it and um, that they got such a good deal and, you know, which is a lack mindset, which, leads into the lack of money and so forth. So there's always, everything is so related. Well, and, and uh, let me ask you, what happens, let's say, for people that, in, that live in an apartment building? In other words, they really can't affect the building itself. They can only affect, let's say, their, their entrance into their apartment. Are there remedies for stuff like that? Let's say that because it, that you know they they can't shift the building or they, can't, they in other words they can't affect anything outside the front door of their apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's plenty plenty they can do with their own space. <laughs> okay, you know, there's always plenty to work with of our own doing to where we don't have to look uh, outside of our outside of our our space. Um, but I think you're referring to like a, uh, it's a like a directional thing. Right, right. Um, yeah, I've always heard that sometimes if, you know, your front door and, and, and I've always thought, well, what if your front door faces a certain direction, but you live in a building whose main entrance is in another direction? You know, I, I was always yeah, thinking, how do they so, figure that one out? <laughs> uh I there's so there's there's different schools of feng shui and I I don't practice that type of feng shui. Um, okay. It's the more eastern um, eastern version of feng shui. And in fact, I mean the exact thing you're talking about is a lot of Asian buyers will immediately uh, dismiss a property if it's not facing the the right way. Wow. Uh, so that it's it's a very it's a yeah, it's, that's a very alive and 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 used um, modality, and um, and so people who are schooled in that they'll they won't even purchase a home or, or in your in this example rent an apartment um, right. if it's from the get go. Um, but I, I actually don't I don't practice that that type of feng shui um, even though I'm not saying it's not valid by any means. Right, but, right. Um, in the more Western version, we actually go more by the human energy and how the human energy enters the space. Um, you know, our mind is so powerful and how we, um, and the energy that we put out into a space. Uh, so we look at the front door and, and, and making it very inviting to come in and inviting the energy into the house. And then from there, you know, having it um, kind of meander through the space uh, with a nice energy flow. You know, the, you don't want the energy to rush or stagnate. Um, mm-hmm. You want to kind of meander through the home, um, which is actually sacred geometry. Uh <laughs> But you know there there's a lot there's a lot that can be there's a lot that can go wrong inside the house and then, but there's a lot of ways almost everything is fixable. Okay, um, that's using what, feng shui techniques. Right, I, yeah. that's what I was about to ask you because sometimes 
I imagine for whatever reason, you you know, you don't own it or you just can't, you know, knock down a wall or, you know, whatever. It's like, right. so there's ways to fix it is what you're saying if something is not. Absolutely. Right. And, I, and um, as far as, uh, and I want to ask you specifically about the master bedroom because as much as your your home is your sanctuary, I think your bedroom or where you sleep is like the inner sanctum of your sanctuary. Yes. Uh, so I imagine that where you sleep, that that's like super, uh, how can I say it? It's important, not only because what you spend there, but your dream time and everything uh, mm-hmm. as far as the placement of the bed and everything, right? That That's important. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, very sacred spaces. I think where you're where you're going with that. Uh, yes, and you know you want it, you want it to be relaxing. It's the one room in the house that needs to be more on the yin side instead of yang. Mm-hmm. Yin being this um, uh, very relaxing, very quiet. Uh, yang being more the active, the masculine energy. Um, yin is is an energy where we can relax and sleep and dream and and, and better. And so like more monochromatic colors as opposed to like bright colors or even you know a lot of the times our the artwork in our, our spaces will definitely affect the energy so you wouldn't like you wouldn't want like a like a downtown new york cityscape you know photograph in the bedroom you'd want more like a relaxing landscape in the bedroom um, so things like that are uh, will help sleep better you know we want to minimize uh, you don't want to like you don't want bookshelves in the bedroom. You know, really? you can have like a, a couple of books on a nightstand, but you want to minimize the amount of books. Books are just a lot of energy. Really? You also wow. Minim- yeah. Um, you also want to minimize mirrors. Uh, in fact, I advise ha- having no mirrors in the bedroom. Um, mirrors God. across from the bed are said to bring in a third party. <clears throat> or um, that third party could be paranormal activity. Oh my uh, God! So I, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's where everybody has their mirror. <laughs> oh wow! So no mirror across from the bed. If anyone listening has a mirror across the bed, remove it today. Um, oh, you can have a mirror on the to the side, but um, that doesn't have the same same ramifications as if it's across from the bed. Mm-hmm. But Still, if you have any problems sleeping at night, then I would, I wouldn't have any mirrors in the bedroom at all. That is, I had not heard of that. I'm thinking to myself, God, just about everybody I know that I can think of, I have, believe it or not, I have a mirror, but I, I don't. I have it. It's it was one of those things where it looks like a, it's like woodwork, and when you open the doors, it's got the mirror there. But I mean, I've got a mirror. Okay. My bathroom mirror is what I look at myself. I'm thinking to myself, God, I've always had a mirror. Because like you said, everybody thinks of this is where you get ready. You want to, you know, look at yourself before you leave, you know, out the door. That is incredible. Yeah. And the thing also about the books, I didn't know that. Yeah. If the bathroom mirror is across the bed, then keep the bathroom door closed at night. That's another thing. So if you can see, if you can see the mirror when you're laying in bed in the bathroom, then keep that door closed tonight interesting very interesting and so many people just you know so many master bedrooms have you know the the attached bathroom yeah yeah and a lot of uh we did it again 
Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. In the 90s, there's the trend of having the mirrored closet door. Oh my God, you're right. Um, you're right. Yeah, those should be like outlawed. <laughs> I can imagine um, you walk in, you go, ah! <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <that's> a, yeah. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. I remember that. I remember where it was like, uh, that was the that was the thing, the decorative thing, and even when they built, you yep. know, these developments, it was like, if you want to pay extra, we'll get you mirrored. Oh That's my God! Right. I'm so I recommend replacing those if you can. If you can't, there's the um, you can put something over them. You can. Um, I actually purchased a '80s home uh, last year, and it had the mirror door. So um, put like a frosted application, to, mm -hmm. and it has kind of this like modern look to it now, and it, it came out really, really nice. Right, so there's there's ways um, that things that can be done. Yeah, but boy, yeah. there's a lot of people probably they're going to be hearing this going, oh, what? <laughs> and it is, you know, and and I think it's, you know, every there's always been stuff to make you sleep, but I don't lately it's you know you see all these bunch of commercials for different either natural stuff or whatever to make people sleep or to stay asleep, you know, and everybody thinks it's because right. and and I'm thinking. I wonder if they realize that part of it might also not have to do with it's because you've got something going on in yeah. your bedroom. Oh, <laughs> wow. And uh, has, and let me tell you something, there's nothing like getting a good night's sleep by the second or third night. Most people feel really bad that you feel you just don't, you, low energy, everything that a lot of people complain about. And it's just because either you're not sleeping enough, you're not going into REM sleep, but I had no idea. And let me, how about um, the placement of plants? Because I know a lot of people put plants, is that good or bad or? Uh, yeah, plants are really good. They're they like little ionized machine, uh, ion machines. They uh, clean the air. Uh, they're really good uh, for, for breathing, for uh, clearing out toxins in a room, you know, just from you know, just environmental toxins. Okay. Uh, I recommend avoiding spiky plants. Um, you know, spiky plants connect, the energy can be a little spiky. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, unless you're like ward, trying to ward off <laughs> people. Okay. Then they're effective for that. Even like, um, cactus energetically or obviously prickly um they're good for you know if you're wanting an extra like security mm -hmm. uh, but like you wouldn't want it on, on your nightstand you're gonna you're gonna um you're gonna 
push people away. Um, but succulents are good. They're, they're, they're not prickly like the cactus. Um, right. And, um, but yeah, so stay with like soft, full leaves. Um, may, you know, most house plant, we're, we're considered house plants, um, are very right. feng shui friendly. Is there something most people should have in their front door that universally you think this is a good idea? Yeah, you know, the front door is, is a phrase we use in feng shui called the primary mouth of chi, which chi is just energy, primary mouth of energy coming into the house. So it's like a, it's like the, it's like the inhale breath mm-hmm. of, of, of us. So we want to invite energy in. And so there's just some very, very common sensical ways of doing that. You want to have your, your doorbell or door knocker working. Uh, doors also represent opportunities. So you want to have, you know, when opportunity comes to knock in, you want to be able to hear it. Okay. You want to welcome it in. Right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, having a welcome mat, you know, chimes are good just to bring in energy. A little water feature can be nice to bring in the energy. So, so yeah, you want to th- think of in- making the energy inviting. And you can even think about in terms of people because people are actually energy. So right. if people have a hard time finding your house or finding your front door, then they're going to have a hard time. The energy is going to have a hard time getting to you. Uh, right. So if, unless you are like a high-level celebrity and you don't want to be found. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, other than that, like you, you, you want to, you know, particularly if you're, if you are self-employed or you're looking for more opportunities and love mm-hmm. or relationships, then you want to have a nice welcoming front door. Um, if your house is hiding, then you're hiding. Right. No, I've seen some more modern architecture, like maybe in the last 20 years, some developments where they put the, the entrance over almost to the side, like, like you said, like a hidden uh, yeah. entrance into the front door. That it's like, okay, I guess the, the door is back over on the side of the house and they just follow the sidewalk. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Yes. Yep. People don't, that's, that's, that's really very yeah. interesting. Arch- I wish architects would um, <laughs> take a course courses things, because right? that's a lot of times where, you know, it, it starts, well, first of all, it starts with the land um, and not all land should be lived on. And then it starts, then from there, the floor plans, which is, you know, the, from the architect's perspective um you know floor plans are very important in how how the energy flows or how it's cut off and um areas that are missing and, and so forth so yeah i wish architects would uh i've had i i, I teach a fun i i certify people in feng shui and i've had some architects come to my course and i'm always always very excited when i see that <laughs> they must be going oh and now that you mentioned the land what is it let's say for because i know some people now are thinking well you know buy the piece of land and then eventually build a house what should they be looking for to or 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 not if they're looking at a piece of land well in some ways this is where the real estate market and feng shui really agree and that is location 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 Mm -hmm. um the the good good feng shui lot or area, or even in cities, there's areas, cities and areas in cities that have good feng shui and bad feng shui, and it's and the feng shui actually translates into wind water, and it was actually originally used for siting auspicious locations, originally for burial sites, and then it became for locating for for emperors' castles and such. Oh. So it's actually at its root is actually um, for for finding good locations. And so they look at how the wind and the water shape the land to determine an auspicious um, uh, 
site, land site. So we still use these principles in feng shui, and we look at, I mean, so, you know, where you see across the country where the, the highest cost of living mm-hmm. is also where the best feng shui is. Um, really? Where there's some slightly rolling hill. I, I live in L.A., so, you know, just within L.A., which there's a you know, huge difference in prices within L.A. itself, mm-hmm. and where the good feng shui is, where there's the hills and the water, is your most expensive areas. And then, other, and then the, the less expensive areas, it's very flat. Right. Flat and dry um, is is not so good feng shui. So it, it kind of unfortunately you kind of look at the real estate market. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or Absolutely. The, you know, even now we have you know neighborhoods or, or, or um, these developed neighborhoods, and some of them are done really nicely with kind of like meandering sidewalks and you know really good city planning, mm-hmm. and that's good feng shui. And then you know, the old tracks, the old just like. You know, straight roads intersect very gridded is right. not 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 the better feng shui right because before uh, so, i think yeah. <clears throat> a lot of the when they were doing like you said the grid work or city developments and infrastructure when they're laying down the roads which is usually one of the first things this was very geometric you know this way that way yes. you know and that was it no you know about the only time it curved was because it they had to be for some reason they couldn't uh they couldn't make it go straight, but I see exactly what you mean as far as, you know, what that has to do with, and you're absolutely right. I'm thinking of all these different locations where the real estate location, location, location. And how about um, people that are thinking of buying houses? If, does traffic have uh, impact uh, the energy? Yes. You know, you know, when you're looking for houses, if you're, you know, shopping, you're shopping around and going to, different houses you want to the universe gives you major signs you know along the way um you know you look out for well on a more practical level you know are there a lot of for sale signs on the street are there you know are people you know strolling baby carriages or are there loose dogs (laughs) right Um, exactly like like in the moment of looking at the house i've had some such some some really interesting things happen along the way of me looking at houses and Mm -hmm. of like the neighbor comes out and says your part's wrong or, you know, like that kind of aggression. Um, I once had a client and I was helping him shop for a, for a place. And um, it was in a a condo complex and the manager was knocking the door, make sure no one was there. And um, and no no one answered. So we we all went in and this woman comes out of, from comes out of nowhere and says, you do not belong here. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, okay. That answers that. Yeah, <laughs> like that that obvious of a sign. You do not belong here. Um, and it's so, like, boy, that's you know, pretty loud and clear, straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Um, not ambiguous time, at all. You, know, you might go go to a house and there's like a rainbow, you know, up here. You know? Right. So there's some very visible signs the universe gives um, in those moments. Um, you know, anytime there's you also want to look at the history of a house, that there's been a series of foreclosures, a series of divorces, you know, mm-hmm. houses, also the land holds patterns. And oh, yeah, if there's been uh, wars or any kind of uh, oppression on the land, mm-hmm. it's going to stay with it for some time. Um, uh, I had some, I've had some people in the Northeast um, with, with um, houses on Revolutionary War grounds, also some people in the, the South, on civil right. war grounds, and there, that 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 energy is still is still uh, lurking in the land, and um, 
you know, you'll see these neighborhoods with a lot of foreclosures or a lot of problems, mm-hmm. and it's still leftover energy. Um, but if you're conscious of it, it, it can be cleared. I mean, it's hard to clear a whole neighborhood or a whole city, right. but you know, individual lot you can do a lot with. Right. And I imagine also the previous owners, let's say if the land was okay in the sense of, but if let's say you had occupants of the house who were like, for lack of a better word, really dysfunctional. And, you know, I imagine that energy stays there, even though they're gone. Absolutely. That's right. Our our spaces hold patterns and these patterns, unless there's been some serious space clearing, um, you know, you you always want to space clear a house when you move into it because I don't think any of us want to live out the lives of the previous owners. <laughs> no, and <laughs> like, I, even, I if agree. It, even if it's good, it's like I want my own life, you know? Right. Um, and it, <laughs> yeah, and, and some of the, and, and when you mentioned earlier about that neighborhood, sometimes you go to a neighborhood or development, it looks beautiful. I went and I'm going to do a real short story. Of what, one time I was visiting someplace, it was, it was a business call. And beautiful houses on a lake, beautiful and uh, enclosed neighborhood. So I pulled up and I didn't I didn't park behind, you know, the garage. I just parked up on the street, right, uh, basically on the curb. It was one of those developments where there's no sidewalk. It's just the street and then the mm-hmm. lawn and the house. So as soon as I go in, the gentleman, you know, the owner, he goes, did you park on the grass? And I looked at him and I'm like, uh, no. He goes, is your tire touching the grass? I was like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think so. And he told me, goes, look, go back out there because if your tire, any of your tires, even one tire is any, a little bit on the, on the grass, on the front lawn, the management company, the, you know, the ones that run will tow your car. And oh I looked God. at him and I was like, what? And he goes, yes. And hurry up. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> I couldn't believe that, and it's it when in to drive around the neighborhood. It was beautiful. It was beautiful, beautiful everything, and of course, and I'm thinking, my God, this is like, you know, like the Stepford Wives of Developments. Everything looks really beautiful, right. except <laughs> don't step out of line. And um, right, yes, it was uh, later on. What later? You know, I spoke to them, and they were like, "Yeah, we we." You know, not only do we have to warn, you know, anybody that comes to visit us, we're we're kind of stuck on the same thing. We got we have to park our cars in our driveway. And if we ever have anybody visiting or family, it's, you know, it becomes a house. I was like, wow. But, yeah, I could see what you mean as far as you've got to look at those signs along the way. Um, as far as do, do I really want to live like this or do I want to live in something that's I'm going to be pulling my hair out? Let's talk about frustration. And mm-hmm. um, let me ask you something. When, at what, let's say, um, if somebody says, I, like, let's say, like you said, I want to go, I was in a relationship. I want to go on and I'm ready for a new relationship, but I just can't engage. I either I don't meet the right person or, or the people I do meet are not the right ones for me. Uh, what happens, Tisha, when, let's say they contact you? And like, I know you said, well, I'm going to ask you what's not working. Uh, do you ever have people that found, sometimes find it hard to believe that, like you said, that maybe the placement of certain things or certain things that they're keeping is actually affecting them not being able to get on with their lives and have a new relationship? 
Yeah, so which usually when people hire me, they're very open for change. Okay. They would not be it would not even be an energetic match for them to hire me if they weren't ready for change because that's what that's what comes with me is change. <laughs> okay. Um, so and so the reason why working in the home is can be so effective and brilliant is that so let's say this in this example this person has been you know having this problem for for quite some time and they they can't really get to their their own issue of what's mm-hmm. going on um but when you see a, the tangible evidence of it in a house and let's just say it's um she only has one nightstand right you always want to have two nightstands right one nightstand exactly. is a symbol exactly. of, of of a either non-committed or not in a relationship mm-hmm. and when she can see that actually playing out in her in her bedroom, right? Uh, she will have a real a realization. Uh, it's, it's different because I've you know I've done energy work, energy healing, the chakras, and you know in the in the visible realms of energy. And it's hard for people to connect the dots, but when you see, okay, I'm not even allowing anyone into metaphorically into my bedroom, right. literally or figuratively then yeah, okay, I've got some intimacy issues, you know, or whatever the case is. Um, right. Or maybe it's like the drawers are so overstuffed with clutter, or maybe the, the room is so cluttered that she's embarrassed to have anyone in, in, in the room. Mm-hmm. Then uh, it's like, okay, I see now that I'm not letting, allowing someone in to see the real me, or I need, to, you know, um, you can have these realizations on another level than you can with, with other healing modalities or, or you know, or, using the word healing in a, in a meaning change, um, modalities that, that promote change. You can really see see what's going on um, mm-hmm. on a very tangible, physical level. Now how about, because I know we've been talking about women, how about men? Because I know men sometimes, despite what people think, there comes, I think, sometimes, some guys that are like, I want to move on from this old relationship, or I want to meet the right person, or I'm ready how do they how do they act are they more open towards it when you go in there and you're like exactly like what you described hey you know what you only have one because men don't you know they're sometimes they're very they don't they don't really think that much about stuff like nightstands i mean you see some guys houses and you're like oh my god you know they're just like um yes yeah, so feng shui does not discriminate between men and women, and it equally applies. <laughs> well, and I'm, the, the, the reason and, I want to tell you is, for example, when I met my husband, his dining room, he had put down rubber mats, and he basically had a small gym in his dining room. It was like, <laughs> he had weight sets. He had, you know, like, who needs, this is a perfect space for me to work out. I was like, okay. You know, most, you know, that's what I'm saying that, you know, men, sometimes they don't really think about that, the practicality of like that the living room goes there and the dining room stuff. Right. And uh, do you find yourself that are they as, as, as open minded about when, even though I know you said that once if, if they've asked you to help them out, they're, they're more open minded, but that they actually see where, yeah, all that stuff you got thrown in the corner. That's why yeah. you're having a hard time getting over your ex-girlfriend. Yes. Um, you know, I have definitely have more women clients than men and have a lot of men. Usually when the men hire me, it's at, at the urging of their, of their uh-huh. girlfriends. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, they're, you know, they're usually open. They're, they're, they don't quite get the emotional connection um, like women do. 
Um, but, you know, they're very open for, like, yeah, whatever you say, I'll do kind of thing. So just kind of go, they're more action-oriented. They're like, yeah, we'll move the couch or, yeah, sure, I'll get rid of that. Um, they don't necessarily make the connection, connect the dots as well as women, but um, they're very you know, open to taking action. But, yeah, I've had several, like, a lot of, uh, actually lately, a lot of men um, hiring me because their girlfriends say they should or, or they're wanting to make, uh, like, for example, your, in case of your husband before y'all were married, uh-huh. uh, be someone like him saying, like, you know, my, my girlfriend's, you know, kind of giving me a hard time about my space. Can you, like, help me out here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you know what? And I know that everybody puts it on women, but guys get hung up on prior relationships also. They might not talk about it as much or let on about it, but they can get hooked up, hung up on old girlfriends, ex-girlfriends, and... Absolutely. They're actually worse about clutter than women are of holding on to things from the past. And it's like women are the more consumers, but men hang on to things more so than women. Mm-hmm. And, and this is kind of a general stereotype, but it's because, because men don't process emotions as well as women. They, their stuff is more of a container for their emotions. And so um, you know, getting re- rid of like a baseball jacket from college is like getting rid of their left arm. Like right. they yes. so yes. heavily identify with things because they haven't, um, they haven't. They can't let go as well as women, actually. Right. Yeah. And that, that that's it's a prototypical. Yeah. That they want to keep the the sweaty old shirt or the baseball cap or the whatever <laughs> yeah. from whenever. It's like, yeah. how old is that? Oh, I used that in junior high. Okay. You know, <laughs> let it go. Like, <laughs> yes. And I and I know exactly what you mean. That that and that people because men don't verbalize it. They think men are unemotional, and sometimes they're quite emotional. It's just that, like you said, they just put it away you know that little yep. thing right there and yeah then they just but it's there <laughs> it's there and uh yep. yeah it's a pe- but men and women we both have our our things as far as that we do but like you said it's tied into our subconscious mind and that that's really what dictates what's happening or not happening or manifesting in our reality that's right yeah. and but i guess we're so busy most people, you, you don't have the time to really think about that. All you get is the end result, which is like, I can't, I'm not moving forward. I really feel really uncomfortable in this house or in this room. Uh, I can't get over my ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, or I can't meet somebody else, or I just don't feel well. Have you ever come across a case or any client that they just felt generally unwell and it all had to do with how the energy was moving or not moving in their house? Yes, and yeah, a lot of people come to feng shui because of health reasons. It can be a, it can be a really great modality for health purposes. But here's the thing: it's 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 not necessarily you're sick because your house is. It's actually your vibrational. It's a vibrational match. So, oh. yeah, and even like kind of like what we call bad floor plan or bad feng shui floor plans or a bad lot. You have to be a vibrational match to attract. To a house like that or in a cluttered situation to a it's a, it's a vibrational match so it's like like attracts like mm-hmm. so if it's kind of a, a house that has like health issues well there was a reason why you attracted to that house and so that's what i'm more interested in it's like we need to get at the root of like why you're calling in sickness to begin with um and right. then we can work from the curing the house the issues in the house and you simultaneously yeah yeah in other words how did how did this location for some reason feed your soul on a subconscious level 
and yeah. of all the places maybe that you could have gone to this is the one that and uh yeah and and sometimes i think it goes along the same lines also you know how some people they have like uh the same type of like repeat relationships that you say yes. what is it about it I, i imagine that this is the equivalent but on a on a relationship or i mean on a on a real estate level or the place where that's you right. choose to live that's right yeah uh so that's why like moving is never a feng shui remedy um until not until you really get oh. uh, the core of of the problem <laughs> in other words you can't run away because <laughs> everywhere right. you go there you are <laughs> that's right <laughs> interesting mm -hmm. god a lot of people because you know what i wouldn't be surprised how many people actually do exactly that they up and move thinking oh mm -hmm. man that place is just not good <laughs> then and then they just yeah you know, like, and just like with... relationships like oh this person isn't working out i'm leaving and you just you wind up in the same situation in a different person <laughs> and i know you mentioned that sometimes are there places that because let's say water river or some other thing that there's too much energy like too much where mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's for human beings anyway. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, it's called Shar Chi and, and Feng Shui. It's too much, uh, like too much energy. Um, uh, it can show up in a lot of different ways, but um, it's it's less common uh, than lack of energy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, right. Uh, yeah. All right, because you see, I'm, I mean, you know, sometimes you look at these very scenic places like, oh, I would love to build a house there. But now... Knowing what I know now, it's like, yeah, maybe being close to that rushing river down there at the valley, you know. <laughs> right. So yes, there's yes. stuff to consider. Yeah. Interesting. So much, so, so interesting. Tisha, I want to thank you so very much for spending this time today. It has, I could go on and on. I had so many questions. I wanted to get into a clutter, but <laughs> I know you're busy and, and, uh, I have, I've, I've been showing there the covers of your books. So if anybody, if, if anything for the people that are listening to the podcast, what is the website that they can go to, to look at, uh, more information about your services? Yeah, just my name, Tisha Morris dot com so t-i-s-h-a morris m-o-r-r-i-s dot com and everything that takes you to everywhere <laughs> okay and as far as if they need to purchase the books uh, they can do it there work and they go to barnes nobles amazon yeah um yeah they're available everywhere amazon you can also link link from my website um, as well yeah perfect. perfect again thank you so very much you have been wonderful And I'm telling you, I could go on here, but it was like a real eye opener. Just some of the stuff that you said. And I'm sure there's people that are going to be going, what? Huh? <laughs> What do you mean the mirror? <laughs> That mirror thing. Ah, it's like, oh, my God. I can't imagine about 80% of people have mirrors in their bedrooms. That alone. I know. <laughs> wow. What an eye opener. Thank you again, Tisha. You have been wonderful, right, darling. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. So guys, what did you think? Let me tell you, I'm not kidding you. I'm still going, huh? That is really incredible because you know what? Myself included, I think about, just like, I'm not kidding you. It's, I think it's about 80% of people have some type of mirror in their house. I mean, in their bedroom. I have a mirror, but 
have a small mirror and it's behind these closed this angel thing you know and it like closes so you don't know there's a mirror unless you open the doors you know I, I use my bathroom mirrors same thing that she said as far as the if you can see the mirror from your bed god there's so many people that one of two things if it's the master bedroom they've got the master bath attached to it depending on the placement of your bed yeah, you could easily be looking at the reflection. Or if you happen to be one of those people, you don't have a hallway. And, you know, there's sometimes um, bedrooms that they're opposite or they're at an angle real close to the bathroom. And depending on where, you could be in that line of sight of the mirror. That, let me, t I wanted to talk to her more about that portal to the paranormal but it was like I also wanted to talk to her about all the other things with you know um, uh, as far as what she called the what's practical feng shui and the good thing about it is is that there's remedies for it in other words you know let's face it not everybody is thinking of placement or feng shui when either they purchase a house or like I said if you moved into an apartment you know you're, it's after the fact and then when you come to somebody like her it's like okay here I am and I can't move so what can I do so there's fixes for stuff there's fixes for stuff but if without without knowing specifics if you get the gist of what she's saying less is more in other words the more crap you have the more problems you might find as far as the energy thing with feng shui like she was saying you might have this beautiful, pricey furniture, but if you have too much of it, not good. It's not about not good. So same thing. Less is more. You know, because sometimes we get caught. And I was <laughs> the thing about the clothing. In other words, it starts from inner out. You know, the clutter from your personal small belongings outwards to, you know, stuff that you have in your house, um, things that you want to keep. And she, she, um, you know, like I've said, you know, my work as a hypnotherapist, I'm, I'm really, really familiar with the way the subconscious works and, um, the subconscious will sabotage you where, yeah, you think I'm keeping that whatever, because at that time, I, you know you know how everybody your memories are always good the patina of age but you know the bad fades away and you only remember oh it was the golden time and part of it might be the hanging on to also who you were with or what you were doing at that time whether it's a job or let's say a relationship okay um same thing i uh same thing like what she said you tuck it away in a drawer and you know you could just say well and i've done this myself sometimes i'm in a hurry i'm putting stuff away especially when you move like when you move to a new house you know you throw stuff out when you're moving when you're packing and then when you're unpacking you know you put it off throwing it when you're packing and then when you're unpacking you're in a hurry and you're tired oh i'll put just i'll just put it in there i'll put it in this drawer and i'll and i'll come back to it and do something with it let me tell you something that's exactly how the subconscious works it tricks you into doing exactly that saying oh I'll come back to it all right you know I'll 
uh, right now I'm really busy. I'm, I'm tired. If I and that's exactly how it works. And then, like she said, out of sight doesn't mean out of mind. And by this is really important. People don't realize that yes, your conscious mind is what we're working on, operating in. You know, but the subconscious mind is there. Just because you don't voluntarily actively remember it, subconscious mind does remember it, is aware of it, does remember what you put away in that drawer five years ago. You know that you, of course, put it away maybe in uh, the attic, the basement, or in that spare bedroom where you stick all the other junk. But it's there. The subconscious mind knows it's there. Always knows it's there. You might not, and that's happened to me where I've opened stuff and I'm going, you know. Of course, not everything is got an emotional tie where it's hindering or holding you back from stuff, but it does. A lot of people want to overlook the obvious especially when that area of their life is like she says is, is, is something either they're in trouble or it doesn't it just it stagnates and I had clients sometimes same thing it wasn't that they were on dire straits whether it's a relationship or money or but they couldn't move forward either they were there they were like stuck uh, and they were like I, I can't figure out why I'm stuck you know once upon a time I this was good for me but now I'm ready to move forward and I can't seem to do that and a lot of it has to do of course with our fear of change our fear of the unknown that's how basic it gets for the subconscious mind for humans pain and pleasure known and unknown that's really what drives us and what holds us back okay what's known is equivalent to pleasure what's unknown is equivalent to pain and change the humans interpret it as unknown therefore it equals pain it's that basic and that's what I'm saying sometimes when we do new things and you feel uncomfortable that's fine you're okay you're okay. It's good to feel uncomfortable. Because basically, you're putting yourself in a situation where you feel uncomfortable and your subconscious mind is going, go, go back. No, don't do that anymore. What? No, we need to go back to what we know. And that's where you got to stand your ground and stay what, you, stay what you do. But there's another side to that besides the subconscious mind is addressing it. And then what Tisha does, which is where you live, where you spend your time, whether it's the home or your bedroom or maybe even your office for people that have you know uh, uh, an office in their home you know maybe the bedroom is where you sleep but then you have a home office which is how you make your money what if that's not right that could be a problem that couldn't it but anyway guys i hope you like the show i loved it check out tisha's site also her books you've seen them uh believe me i think we all suffer from some degree or other of clutter of not letting go and giving a lot of excuses for whatever. Um, my true believers, don't forget to go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Submit your story tab. Catch me Facebook and Twitter. I live stream there. I've got lots of interesting people coming up. Okay. And uh, thank you all so much for being part of my audience. I really, truly appreciate that you come back and share this time with me. Take care. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. 
We are Granger, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, with 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.